Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to do this uh, study tonight uh, on choosing joy. And we're calling this one uh, Living the Life of Joy. Uh, And so this is so, or living the joyful life, however you want to word that. And this is so important because it's, it's a way of living it out. It's not just something that we read and we try to do. It needs to be a lifestyle because we, we've literally been called, if you were part of the first lessons, we've been called to this joyful life. He's called us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And knowing what that means as a believer and as a Christian literally means that we, we put our mindset into Jesus Christ where we lean on Him and we put our mind on the things of God and we allow those things to, to generate or cultivate what we think about, which affects our attitude and our mindset and our perspective on life. And if it's on God and Jesus Christ is the source of joy, then we're going to have a life of joy. And this just goes into this even more. Joy is not an outer excitement due to circumstance. Joy is an inner calm or an inner peace. Uh, It's an inner delight that comes from God. Now, for us, we view life differently, and you're saying, well, there's going to be some things that just doesn't make sense with that. In reality, there's nothing. The Bible says this. It says, for me to live, in same in Philippians, at the beginning of this, he said, for me to live is Christ. You think about it. Everything that I do, it's, uh, for me to live, it's the Bible, it's, it's truth, it's, it's prayer, it's my relationship with God. It's everything that we've talked about for these five weeks. But then he said, you know, if you're, we're going to talk about the greatest uh, fear that we could have in life is, is death. I mean, in the inevitable, something that we can't stop and we can't, we can't delay. There's nothing that we could do with that. I mean, it, it's inevitable. And God said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Literally, death is a graduation. It's the, the biggest thing that Satan can throw up to me and say, you know, the biggest fear that I could have of disease or cancer or war or famine or whatever that could come in this life. He's literally saying the, the only thing that could come of that as a Christian is it's, it's heaven. And, and so we, we, we live life with a totally different mindset, a totally different perspective. And, and so we, we, it changes us. And so we have this joy that comes from this divine presence of God or being held by God or God is control of my life, my death, my future, my eternity. And when my mind is on God in that way, it changes everything. I can rejoice in the Lord knowing that he is my delight and everything's going to be okay. So let's finish this chapter up in in the context or in the verses that apply to this joyful living in this way or choosing joy. Paul is speaking to the church of Philippi in the book of Philippians, uh, the the people here, and he's writing to them. And he says in Philippians 4.10, jump in with me. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And he starts talking about this joy. Remember, he's in house arrest. Things are not going great for him. But he starts saying, now that the, the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful but lacked opportunity. Now I have to explain what's going on. Paul was going through a difficult time. He was separated from people. He said, man, I, I didn't have money. I didn't have finances. I, didn't have, I wasn't able to work. I was going through a really hard time. I had nothing. And he says, I rejoice in you greatly because of the care that you showed for me. And this church had sent him money and supplies or whatever it was in this thing to care for him. And he says, man, you don't know what that did for me. And it reminds me, that's what Christians do. 
When other people are going through a hard time, we give of ourselves for the sake of others to care for them. And that's what's going on in this passage right here. In verse 11, he says, not that I speak in respect of one. He said, I'm not complaining. He said, man, that what, what I went through, because actually what I went through, let me explain to you my attitude and my perspective, what I went through. He said, not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Wow, okay. For, for this dude to say this, the guy that has been in prison and go through everything, for him to say, hey, let me, let, let me tell you guys something. Man, I appreciate the money. I appreciate what you guys did. And man, let me just tell you, I'm overwhelmed with the blessing. You were so kind and it meant the world to me. But he said, I got to tell you something. My joy and my satisfaction is not coming from that gift that you got me. He says, I have learned something. He said, I, I have learned this. I have learned how to live a joyful life. Here's the first thing he's, he's teaching us. He said, we must learn contentment. We must learn to be content. That's what he's saying in this first. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Now I got to stop and say, what is content or what is contentment? What does that even mean? Content in the basic definition of this, it means to recognize something to be enough. Wherever you're at, to recognize this and say, it's okay, this is enough. It's going to be okay. To recognize things to be sufficient. So, so going deeper with this, it is an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God and knowing that He is in control of all that is happening to us. It, it is the idea of no matter if you're in the middle of COVID-19, job loss, having to move out of state, having to look for a new job, having to look for a new house, apartment, whatever, you're, you're in. It's the mindset to know for a Christian to look up to God and say, He's in control. Man, my, my God is absolutely in control of everything and having the mindset of this. It, it, so it's, a, it's a, this inner rest or peace that he was saying. One dictionary defines contentment as the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with the things as they are. It's the idea of mentally being satisfied with the way that things are. If you, if you have a job and it has issues, Okay, and, and you're in a job and you say, man, I need a better job. I need to get out of here. Some of you are like that saying, man, Pastor Tony, if I could tell you about my circumstance, if I could tell you about my job, man, this and this and this, but I have no way out. I have looked and God has not opened up any opportunities for new, any jobs. What you do is you stop and say, I have to have the mindset that for now, this is enough. For right now, because God has not opened doors, I'm going to give myself the mindset to be able to say, okay, this is what I have, and I'm going to be at rest in my mind and not battle with my emotions with this to be more. And you all even thank God for it. He's say, as much as I want to be out of here, God, I thank you for a job. I'm gracious and thankful for where, what I have. And you trust that if God has not moved you, then God has a reason for where he has you. That takes big confidence in God. And I've given this illustration. We did this in a message a while back about Paul and Silas being thrown in prison. And in that moment, they just had to say, I can't get out of here. I can't change this. Let's just praise God because he must have a reason for this. And so it's the same thing as if, if, if you have a, a junky car and it's horrible, but you don't have the money to get another one. 
You can either choose to have that mindset of like, I hate this car and I can't stand this and this is miserable, or just to say, it's what I've got right now, so I'm going to make the best of it. That is contentment. But let me explain something to you. Being content does not mean complacency. And I think that's where a lot of people get this confused. And let me explain this as we go through this. As Christians, we can work better to improve our circumstances, and you should. You should. The Bible says whatever your hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. The Bible tells us to advance and to run the race and to, to excel and to do things that build up and things that edify and to improve. You should. That should be in the Christian nature to be able to do those things. See, it, the Bible is not telling us not to work towards things or to improve things. Or even if you have a job to try to improve your job or if you have an opportunity to get a better job. It, it's not talking about that. But contentment is to be at peace with what the things that you have in your life that you cannot change. So if you're in this situation, in this box, and you're saying, I don't want to be in this box, I don't want to be in this job, this car, this financial situation, this illness, whatever the box is, I want out. Man, it should be like, God, give me healing. God, give me help. God, give me better finances. God, what can I do? Lord, how can I work harder? But if there's no way to get out of the box, there's no way for a better job, and you're stuck in that apartment, that house, whatever, then you say, listen, there's nothing that I can do. I will be contentment. So it's not complacency. So there, there is a difference. L let me explain it like this, because sometimes illustrations help us. All right, let's go with your appearance. All right, with all of us, when it comes to appearance, you look in the mirror in the way that God made you, and you'll sit there and say, I don't like that. Maybe it's your nose or, or your eyebrows or whatever. You're sitting there thinking, man, I, I hate my nose. I, it's crooked every time I see it. It looks crooked. It may, it, I've got a big hump in my nose or whatever it is that you're critical about yourself. And everybody has those things about you that upset you. And I have to ask you, what can you do about that? There's nothing. And you can walk around totally being down on yourself and totally being down on life. Man, I hate the way that I look. And don't take a picture of me. And I don't want to see that picture. And you're constantly down on yourself because of that. And yet what you are is you are discontent with the way that God made you. I, I can personally testify to this because I went through this myself, not with my nose. But back when I was younger, I had a ton of hair. If you look at my wedding picture, uh, you're going to see that I, I had a full head of hair. And, and I, I just remember starting to see my hair go thin and there was nothing that I could do. And, I, and I, I did all these different things. I went to the doctor and then I got to the point where I'm thinking, uh, man, I just, I, I'm just not okay with this. I was so mad. I was so frustrated. Every time I looked in the mirror, every time I brushed my hair, all this, I was just so aggravated. And it was just bothering me so much. To be flat out honest, I was totally discontent with my situation because I was not willing to accept it for what it was. That, is, that, that happens in all of us. To be upset with what God is giving you. Be upset with the way things are changing. You're discontent. But let me tell you, there's a difference of that, on the other hand, of, uh, of complacency. Because maybe there are some things in your life that you can change and you shouldn't be okay. The doctor says to you, hey, listen, you've gained weight. Your blood pressure is up. You're not as healthy as you should be. You say, oh, I'm all right. You know, I've learned to be content the way that you are. No, that's different. 
because of the, if God's giving you health and the ability to improve, you can be complacent with that and not want to improve. That is not contentment. That's complacency. It's different. See, contentment is being okay with where God puts you in the situation that only God can change and you're okay with what God is doing because God is in control and you trust him for that. There's a difference. So let's, let's break this down. See, contentment goes against our nature. See, that's the problem. Contentment goes against our nature. He, he said in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. He said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul was saying, I didn't get this before. Anytime you learn something, it's because you didn't know it, and then you, you went through something to learn it. And he said, I, 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 Paul was probably saying, I struggle with this concept, because I, I was in spots that I said, God, this doesn't make sense. I don't want to be here. God, I don't want to be in this situation. And our nature is always wanting to be comfortable. That, that's why we hate exercise. That's why you can say, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden, you get home, you sit on the couch, and then I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to get up. I don't want to be on the treadmill. I don't want to go through for a walk. I don't want to do that. Man, I, my, my, your flesh just gets to a place that it's just, I just want to be where I'm at. And, and it's, it's, we struggle with that. We, we don't like to wait for things. We'll pay more for something in shipping so we can get it two days earlier. And we'll pay 30 extra bucks to get that because of the fact is we hate to wait. We're just so driven in our nature not to be okay with things, to be able to get what we want. The same thing with cell phones. You think about it. You have a cell phone that totally perfectly works. It calls, it gets on the internet, it does everything that it's supposed to. And then they have the new iPhone or the new Droid or the new uh, whatever phone that comes out. And, and, and they're advertising that this has four cameras and this, you know, has a satellite dish that, just whatever, I'm kidding. But it, it's just, they always have something better. And you're sitting there going, well, mine doesn't have that. And that's dumb. And all of a sudden, you become discontent with what God's giving you for something that you can't afford or something that you should be using your money for uh, other things. And the world's message totally to us is you should not be happy with the car that you have. You should not be happy with the marriage that you have. You should not be happy with the phone that you have. There's always bigger and better out there. And so this problem is that this attitude rolls into every aspect of our life. When we're not content, we're constantly dissatisfied with where we're at. And all of a sudden, your mindset is if I was married to that person, I'd be happier. I'm discontent with who I have, and I'd rather have this. And that is sin. And it makes us miserable because we're always longing for more in, in, in areas that God doesn't want us to have. When it comes down to it, it's, we're just not trusting God for what he's given us. Here's the second thing. Contentment that God is telling us to do is for our good. Contentment is for our good. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. That state or place that God has put me. He said, I've learned that wherever God puts me, whatever state I am, you've got to think Paul was saying whatever state or whatever position, that was the good and the bad. You've got to think about it. When we get into bad situations, we automatically think, get out, make it go away. I don't want to be here. This is miserable. You know, it's, it's just in our nature to do this. When we go through things, and Paul did, it might be on purpose. Paul is writing this from prison. He was on house arrest. We're not exactly sure the situation, but he embraced the opportunity. 
And maybe before this, he would have been going crazy. You know, maybe when he was on house arrest before he was arrested and all these other things, he went, man, I just went berserks. I was unhappy. It affected my attitude and my spirit. You would not have wanted to be around me when I was in that situation. No way. But Paul said, I've learned some things. That sometimes when things are going good, I thank God for those things. And I'm content with that. I'm glad. But I've also learned this. In whatever state I am, and even in those other things, that maybe God has me there for a reason. Maybe God is doing something. And, and then God is able to do something that normally when he, he wouldn't be able to use me for in other situations. Remember, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. Who were the Philippians? The Philippians goes back to that story in Acts when Paul was arrested, beat, thrown in prison. The earthquake comes and he comes out and, and, and is able to save the man that was going to kill himself and all of his family. You think about what happened. Paul probably looks back at that and says, you know, I wouldn't even be writing to you guys in this birth of this church. I wasn't arrested and put in that situation. He said, man, I've learned some things. So, man, I've been through some stuff that I was just outright upset about. I was so aggravated that it, it went against my plans and my feelings and my emotions. And I was so upset. And why me? And this is so unfair. Why is God picking on me? He said, now I step back and I'm thinking, Man, maybe God's doing something through this. I, and probably Paul and Silas, where they were in their prison, saying to each other, he says, man, I don't know what God is doing. But I tell you, God has a reason for this. God has a plan for this. And so God has a reason for this. And what, he says, in whatever state I am, there with to be content. And he looks back on this. A lot of us have learned this the hard way. When I was a teen, I, I, I bought a car uh, that I told you guys about before. That the, it, I bought it at night. That the paint was peeling and everything like that. And, and I got it. It was in my price range. I was able to get this car and afford it. And, you know, and it, was, it, was, it was not a good car. But it was what I could afford. And it was miserable. I, I think I told you guys before uh, that with the, the lights on it, it had the pop-up lights, which I thought was so cool just to have it where you turn it on, the lights come out of the hood. They don't even make cars like that anymore. But I remember somehow the programming of it or whatever got off and only one would come up. And so when I would turn on the lights, it would turn one off and one on. And so it looked like I was winking at people as I was driving down. Uh, the, this inside ceiling was dropping down. It was, it, it was a smoked-in car. So every time I cleaned it, it had this yellow goop all over the place. It was, it was disgusting. And I remember going to the place that I wanted another car so bad. I mean, I, I just told my mom and dad, and they were like, I, I get you wanting a car and everything, but this car that you have isn't the greatest, but it runs and it gets you from A to B. And, and at least you, can, you have it. You don't have to strap yourself with money. No, I want a sweet car. And I got a sweet car. And I remember that car. It was a Plymouth Laser with dual overhead cams. It was awesome. Sweet car stinking big car payment that came with it. And, and that's just the way that it is. And I pushed myself into that situation that I thought was for my good, that God didn't open the door. I just wanted it. I wanted to so don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it and ever, everything. But I remember that big car payment that I had strapped me terribly when I went off to college. And I got there and I just remember that thing that I wanted so bad being a headache and it, it, because of that payment that I had, and I loved driving it, but I hated trying to figure out how I was going to pay for that in school and books and everything else on top of that. I got rid of that car, and it was a huge relief. I sold it, got rid of that car. And instead, the second semester that I came back, 
uh, Pastor Dave had this old, uh, I, don't, I don't remember, what, it was like a Bronco. It wasn't a Bronco. It was something like that. It was a, a car, an older truck type car that he had. And I remember that was just sitting at the house and, and, and it was not, didn't, it didn't look great. It wasn't a great car. But I remember the fact that it ran and it didn't have a payment. And I took that. And I remember every time I got in there and people would say, man, why do you have to drive that? It's, it's wonderful. Say, so why is it wonderful? Because I have learned this, that sometimes being outside of where God has placed me is not happy. And it puts stress and headaches and frustration and worry on you that is so unnecessary. Because sometimes God says, this is where I wanted you. It's where I put you. And you might want to be over here. You're not going to get that. But right now, if you'll trust me, I have you in a place that might not look the best and it might be for a short length of time and you don't even understand what I'm doing. But I tell you, I'm asking you to be content for your own good because on the other side, it's not so great. And so it was weird how I was so happy about a car that was not that great. And so Paul looked back and he knew that God did a lot of things even during his time of being locked up. And he said, you know what I've learned? That God does things for my good. And God might be doing things not only for your good, but other people's good through that situation. In fact, we would not be studying this book of the Bible right now if Paul wasn't put in that situation to write this book of the Bible. So all these years later, we are still reaping the benefits of a place that God put Paul in that was uncomfortable to learn to be content. So contentment goes against our nature. It's for our good. That's why God tells us. But here's the next thing. Contentment is a mindset. It's right here. You could sit there and say, well, I'd be content if I got a better job or a better car or if I moved or if I wasn't sick or whatever it is. Then I would be content. But that has nothing to do with contentment because Paul said, I've learned to content, be content in whatever situation that I am. And so we, we, we have that misconception that it's about our situation that brings contentment. But Paul said, I have learned in verse 11. He said, I've learned. Now listen in verse 12, how he starts off. He says, I know. Now, I have confidence in what I'm about to say. You, you know, when you go through things like a car payment that you can't afford, you look back at there and you learn something. You say, I know some things now. I know that that's not the best. I've learned when I get into a car and I'm, somebody says, you should just get a bigger car payment. It's like, no, no, don't even bring that up. Been there, done that. I know some things. That's what Paul was saying. He said, verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. He said, I, I know how to thrive, and I know how to hit bottom. He said, I've been in both places. Some of you can identify with this. Man, I've been both places too. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And he was saying, he said, man, I've been broke. Man, I've been starving. I've been hungry before. He said, man, I've had... I, I've had food loaded up and I've, I've had money in the bank. He said, I've been in all these different places. I've been there before. He said, I've learned through all this. He says, everywhere, listen to this. He says, everywhere and in all things. He literally says, the good, the bad, the ugly, the broke, the full, the feast and the famine. He said, I'm, I'm going to lay it all out there. He says, in all things, I am instructed. What, what, this is cool right here. He goes, wait a minute, I'm instructed in all of these this definition of instructed right there, what, what, going deeper with this, it means to shut the mouth. I mean, he says, I, I've learned something. To shut the mouth, the secret or mystery through the idea of silence. 
said, man, I've learned through all of these things to keep my mouth shut. I've learned some things that God's teaching me, the mystery of what he's doing, that it might not make sense on the outside. And people could look at Paul and say, yeah, you follow the most high God. You, you serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You've been beat, shipwrecked, thrown in prison, denied, rejected. You've been betrayed, all these other things. Seriously? He says, man, you have no idea. Don't, don't even go there. He says, you have no idea the things that God has done and taught me through all of these things. He said, I have learned things that I normally would not learn. He said, in every situation God has taught me, everywhere that God has allowed me to be, he's taught me something. Now, if, if Paul was instructed, who is the instructor? Who, of course, it was God. Here's, here's what the instructions or the things that he had learned through this. He says, know that God is always at work. He says, know that God is always at work. Hunger and fullness, blessing and brokenness. God uses all of these things to teach us. We can appreciate, we can appreciate the good without the bad. You know, sometimes you get into a, a, a nicer house and you're looking at it and you're so grateful and, and thankful for what you have because you know we're in places in your life that you haven't had those things. You know, it's like to have tight space or have a, a, a family of four and five share one bathroom. When, when we were between our two houses and we sold one and we couldn't get into our next house, and we had to get into an apartment. Two-bedroom apartment, one bathroom, five people. And it was not a, not a good situation whatsoever. But you know what? When we got into our house and we had more bathrooms and stuff, we were so thankful for what we had because of the lesson that we learned from being without those things. See, all these things that we go through make us better. When Jenny and I were in Bible college, we, we were so poor, but we, 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 we struggled to pay our bills, work, put gas in the tank, and all the other things that we did. But I tell you, we had some sweet memories of, of the things that we did, of our, the 99-cent date nights that we'd have by going to Wendy's and, and, and going cheap, but it was great memories. Sometimes those memories and the character and the times that you remember of struggle actually create more and better memories than the times that you were able to eat at a five-star restaurant because God taught you things that he is faithful and he'll never let you go hungry. He'll never leave you. He'll never betray you. All these things, all, all, looking back at all those times of Bible college and struggle, I don't regret any of it because all of it was for my good and God taught me something through all of it. It was to make us better. See, now that we look back at these things and what Paul was doing was looking back, he says, man, I, can, I know some things. I, I know that everything that God does, he's working through these things. You have to know it and acknowledge that God is at work. And God, you, you have to put in your trust in mind that, that things are gonna be okay and that God is in control because there's two ways of looking at this. You can either choose to say, well, this is unfair and why is God picking on me? And why can't I have good things or nice things? Or you acknowledge that, hey, wait a minute, this isn't where I want to be, but I know this, that God works everything for my good and God has a plan. And I just know that God is at work. It's choosing what to focus on. It's choosing how you're going to view it. It's, it, it's acknowledging the confidence that you have in your God. You acknowledge that God's m mysterious lessons are happening around you. But here's the second thing. Know that God is at work, but also know that God will take care of you. Paul states this in verse 19. If you look down, he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. 
he says, in, in riches and glory in Christ Jesus, he said, in the bad times and the good times, he said, let me tell you this, my God will supply all your need. He's testifying to that. Now think about the word all in that. He's literally saying, I can, be, I can tell you with all confidence that God will meet all your needs. He doesn't say your wants. And I think that's where a lot of us get upset, say, I really want a better car. And God says, but I gave you what you need to get to work. I really want a better job, but God says, I gave you a job in the middle of a situation. That's not the, the, your most favorite thing, but it pays your bills. God was saying through this and, and teaching us through this, get, God will take care of you. And I'm not saying that there's not joy and blessings on top of this, but he does this according to his supply, according to his riches. Maybe that, that needs to be your mindset of saying and, and having in your mind, man, I know that God can take care of this because he's not lacking. God is not lacking to take care of you. He's not, he's not struggling. He, he never struggles. He has everything that you need and it never runs out. When you view God from the, these things in mind, you're, you're rejoicing in God. You're literally choosing to have that mindset or that perspective of God saying, man, I know that God has a reason for me being content to this. I know that God is teaching me things, things through this. I know even when I can't see it, the mysterious teaching of the instruction that God is giving. And when there's a spot that I can't do anything where I'm at, I can't work, I can't get out, I can't, I can't. What God says that I can do, I can know that God is at work and God's teaching me and I can trust in the provision that he's given me. So this is how to live this joyful life. So number one, we must learn contentment or learn to live in contentment. And here's the second thing, and this is much shorter right here. We must rely on the strength of God. And if you watched our service a couple weeks ago that we did on the, the, how you can do this, I referenced this verse and, and what we're about to read right here. And you, it, Because a lot of us are like, hey, this sounds good, and thank, thank you, Pastor Tony, for this positive thought. But if you had to live in that work, if you had to go to that place every day, you, you would understand. Man, if you had to get and drive that stinking old car like I had to, and you have to beat on the dash to get the heat or the work, you would understand if you just knew what it was like being in a relationship with someone that doesn't love you and doesn't care about your needs and never compliments you and never, you would understand what I'm going through, but you don't. If you know what it was like to wake up sick and be in that situation of an illness, you would view this differently. Paul understood. God understands that there are just some things that you get to that you just max out and you just say, I can't. I, I can't. I tell you, I've taken all that I can do. I've given every ounce. Man, last time when I left work, I, I, I drove off in tears because of being there and I did not want to go back. Don't tell me, don't tell me that this is okay. You know how often we use verses in the Bible and we don't connect the dots of this verse goes in connection with this verse? So understand that everything I have learned, Paul said, in whatever place that I am to be content, I have learned the mysteries of God. I have been rich and I have been full and I've been poor and I've been hungry. And he said, I have, I have been shipwrecked. I've been imprisoned. I've been stoned. And let me tell you through all of it that I've gotten through all of that. And this is how, listen to what he says on this. He says, Philippians 4.13, in connection to what we just read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Man, think about what he's saying. I can't. I, I, he said, you're broke right now. He, Paul was saying, I've been there. And he says, I'm going to give you this news. You can get through this. That's what he said. So he said, take confidence in the fact that God will get you through. Take confidence that God will let you make it through this. You can do this. Man, I, I just think of Philippians 4.13 at the beginning of this. I can do all things. And that all literally means your cancer situation, your job situation, your rough marriage, your parenting situation, your COVID-19 situation. All things. Hey, God was literally giving you a promise. He, he says, I promise you, you can get through this. Whatever the thing is that God has you in that place of contentment. And you said, man, I'm in a box. I have no way out. There's no door that opened to me. And, and Paul says, let me, give you, let me give you this promise. You're going to make it. I'm telling you, you're going to make it. But don't leave out the second part. And that is don't leave out God. And I think sometimes when we see people and ball players and, and people holding up the signs and putting it on the side of their car and hanging it up. And I'm like, do you understand what you're reading when you say this? I can do all things through Christ. You leave that out. You cannot do all things. And that place of contentment that you're saying, I'm in there and I can't get out of whatever it is, you will fail in that spot. It will fall apart if you leave God out of it. He literally says in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. God was literally saying, I am the supply that you need. I am the patience when you can't face your boss. I, 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 I am the the. I am the encouragement that you need when you don't want to get out of bed. God was saying, literally, I am everything that you need to get you through that situation. God says, I can do that. But the understanding of through Christ, you say, I'll do it through Christ. What does that mean? Doing it through Christ, literally, when you read Philippians 4 and he says, think on these things. When he literally says, rejoice in the Lord always. When he was literally saying, uh, you know, that, that the peace of God will pass all understanding. All these things that were studied, God literally was saying, you take these things and you run your life through the obedience of Scripture to do these things. That's what it means to do all things through Christ. It's not the idea of I'm a Christian and I can do all things. No, it's a matter of obeying God to do these things. You trust in God. You have confidence in God. You learn contentment. And if you learn to be content in what such place that God places you, then all of a sudden God says, when you're in that place of contentment and surrender, and you look at God saying, I trust you, God says, I'll help you through this. And I love this last part. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You, are, you have to embrace the divine strength of God. I said this when we did this, this study on the, the peace of God that passes all understanding. And, and we got to that and I said, literally, the peace of God. It is God that created all things, the creator of, uh, of the seasons of the earth and the, the atmosphere and the galaxies and DNA and all this. That God reaches into your heart and gives you peace. But also that God reaches into your situation. The one that gave life by breathing is the God that reaches into your life to give you strength to face whatever you are in. 
If you can't get out and you're literally saying, I'm stuck of whatever it is, and you're saying, man, and God says, well, I want, I want you to be content. I want you to rest in that situation. I don't want your attitude beating on the walls trying to get out of it. I want you, you constantly being upset and screaming at God that this is unfair. And, constantly, and you understand that maybe I have you there for a reason and I will get you through this. And you rely on the divine strength of God to rest upon you to do what you cannot do for yourselves. And by the way, that is a promise. I can do all things through Christ who his strength strengthens me to do what I could not do it on myself. In the same way with the peace of God, this will not make sense. You'll look back at your years of Bible college like me and Jenny did, and we look back and say, how in the world did we afford that? How in the world did we keep up with that schedule? How in the world? You say, it just, I have no clue. That's because it was not your strength that did it. It was God's strength through you. And then the next time you get into a situation like this, you'll be like Paul and you say, I know one thing. I know how, I know how to, to get through it and be okay when it's good. And I know how to get through it when it's bad. This is joyful living. It's a mindset. It's not just about your circumstances and situations because they will be good and they will be bad. But when you have your mind knowing that God has your best interests in mind, God cares about you. He'll give you the strength all these things that he's promised, you'll make it through. And you can live that life in that crummy job, tough situation, rough marriage, whatever it is, with the strength of God to know that you're going to be okay. That is joyful living.